Okay, so uh, we are week two of our study through the book of Philippians, and uh, we've entitled this series A Joyful Community, mainly because the main theme we see in the book of Philippians is this uh, sense of joy. Um, and it's about between 14 and 16 times we can see in various forms that, that joy is this theme, this constant that comes through this particular uh, book. So last week we looked at how a joyful community unites around the power of the gospel. And uh, we, we, we went through Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. We only went halfway through that verse, to be honest, looking at who the saints were in Philippi. That, that Paul is identifying this is the church he's writing to, the saints in Philippi. And so we looked at who they were. We went back to Acts chapter 16, and we looked at um, what it talks about uh, Lydia and the slave girl and the jailer and how uh, the gospel met them where they were at. And, and, and the two big things that we learned from there was that, that God reaches us where we are at and unites us together through him. Whether we are like Lydia, the, 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 the CEO, business-driven, highly successful person, whether we might be like the slave girl where, where life just seems to be uh, running us over time and time again, and we're like living in the bottom of the barrel, or whether we're just like the jailer where we just work our job, work hard, and, and you know, earn a re- reasonable wage and just do our thing and, and have a regular normal life. The gospel will actually meet us in those spaces and unite us together as the church of Jesus Christ, like he did in Philippi. The second thing we looked at is how um, the example we see also in that gives us hope that no one is unreachable. That in our world, we can, we can see people that might be too far from God or too smart for God or too downtrodden for God. But, but that's the beauty of the gospel is that people um, don't have to change or become a certain thing for God, and to, for God to reach them. But God will actually meet them where they are at. And so that was the main theme is that week one was a, a joyful community unites around the power of the gospel. So today we're going to move into uh, Philippians chapter 1 verse 2 through, through to verse 11. And, um, and so here's what we're going to look at. We're looking at a, a, a prayer that Paul prays here. And so he says here in Philippians 1 verse 2, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What a powerful passage that is. Paul is unpacking his heart through prayer for the church in Philippi. And so we could look at and break down that verse and go, what what did Paul pray? What what did he say? What what, what was so significant about Paul's prayer? What what can we glean from that? And and I would encourage you to go and and, and study through that and and unpack those things and look at the different things that Paul is saying in these verses that, that can be really true encouragement for us today. But I want to sort of take a bit of a macro view of this passage, and, and rather than look at, at what Paul prayed, I want to highlight a couple of things about how 
Paul prayed. So there's two things that, that I see here in these verses that, that I find incredibly significant to see how Paul prayed. The first is this. In, in verse 4, he says, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all. So I'd say, how does Paul pray? The first thing I see of how Paul prays is Paul prays consistently. Consistently. Because he says here, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all. There's this, there's this sense of consistency, always, every prayer, remembrance of you. Uh, and again, remembering that this is the first church that Paul planted. He had deep relationship with the, the, the founding people of this church. And so he's saying that I remember you often and I pray for you always. And so we see here that, that um, in this particular verse that, that how Paul prays is consistently. And you might be thinking, well, oh, that's a bit of a, a stretch, really, to, 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 to say that Paul's entire prayer life is consistent based off one verse. Well, let's, let's look at this then. Because um, I think there seems to be a regular habit of Paul. And in preparing this message, I went back and, and reread all of Paul's epistles, all the letters that Paul wrote to people and churches throughout the New Testament. And I kind of found that there is a common theme here of consistency in his prayer life. To the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 1.16, he writes, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Right? To, to the church in Colossae, in Colossians 1.3, he writes, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. In Romans chapter 1, verse 9 to 10, he says, Without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 4 says, I give thanks to my God always for you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly remembering you in our prayers. To Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1, 3, he writes, I remember you constantly in my prayers. To Philemon, in verse 4, he writes, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. There is a consistency that we see in Paul's prayer life. Whether he's writing to a church to encourage them in what they're doing to advance the gospel, whether he's writing to a person or a minister to encourage them, what he is saying and what we, we see revealed in the life of Paul is his prayer life is consistent. Consistent. So what's the second thing? So the first thing I see in these verses in Philippians is that there is a consistency to Paul's prayer life. Well, what is the, the other aspect? Well, I'm glad you asked. The other aspect we see to Paul's prayer life is not only is it consistent, but it's joyful. He says in, in, in chapter 1, verse 4 in Philippians that making my prayer with joy. He makes his prayer with joy. So many of us probably see prayer more as a chore than, than, than a delight. Something that's a little bit boring when it could be quite exciting. And I think that's not God's fault. That's our fault in how we approach prayer. Whereas Paul basically takes charge of his flesh and doesn't allow it to make prayer a boring thing. He says, I make my prayers with joy. 
So he reminds himself and actively pursues this constancy in prayer with a joyful tone so that prayer becomes a positive experience for him, not a religious laboring uh, you know, task that has to be done to fulfill a religious order. No, there's, there's a sense of joy. Like he wants to. He's excited about prayer. I recently read some statistics um, from the, the Pew Research Center, which is an American research institution. So, so the stats here might be a little bit different in Australia. Um, but I, look, on a side note, I'd probably say that um, the statistics I'm about to share, although American, once, in, once upon a time, they might, might have been on par with Australia, right? That, that our cultural stuff and America's cultural stuff, in particular uh, relation to, to religion and, and, and faith, would be similar. But, but now I, I find, at least according to our, our census results, that, that Australia is a, a fast-moving nation away from traditional Christian values at, at a much quicker rate than America. Now, America still is losing its religion. America still is probably considered a post-Christendom or post-Christian nation, uh, just like we are. Uh, the predominant culture is no longer uh, Christian faith. Uh, it's, it's very secularized and, and, and multi-religious. Um, but, but we seem to be moving far more quickly away from that than America. So, so I would dare say that these stats are probably a little bit worse for us here than America, but I'm going to use them because America is so much better at keeping statistics and data uh, in regards to church and faith than we are here in Australia. So, according to the Pew Research Centre, uh, they they said that 45% of the people they surveyed of Christians prayed daily. 45. So, so less than half. And if I was to divide this room in half right now, um, Maybe even a little bit less. So, so let's, let's argue, say, like 40%. So, um, so 40%, you guys over there, you guys pray regularly. This other 60% over here, six out of 10 of us don't pray daily. That's huge. The stats also say that 32% rarely or never prayed. So if I divide this room into thirds... This third, this third, this third. This whole section over here does not pray ever or very, very rarely. Like it's almost saying that they have a non-existent prayer life. And then only four out of ten of us actually pray on a daily basis. So it's no surprise that if, if I was talking to an average Christian, which, which I do from time to time... Um, it's safe to say that they, if asked about their prayer life and if they'd be happy with it, they would likely say no. The vast majority of us would say that we are not happy with our prayer life. This is also evidenced by the fact that prayer meetings, in my experience, are notoriously the lowest attended of all the events and programs that a church will run. That we could put on a big women's event and get stacks of people. We could put on a men's event and get stacks of people. We could put on every Sunday service and get tons of people. We could put on a, a big Christmas service or an Easter service or, or whatever. We do baptism. People come, but we put on a prayer meeting. Very little people attend. It is the lowest attended event or program that churches run. See, fundamentally, Christians know and believe that prayer is vital. Yet they seem not to do it as often as they think they should, nor do they seem to enjoy it when they do. 
And they would literally rather be in any other event or any other program that the church runs other than the prayer meeting. Why? Why, why is that so? Why is it statistically that people would rather be in any other program the church runs than the prayer meeting? Maybe, maybe it's the devil. Sure. Maybe it is because he doesn't want people to pray. Can it, we've got, I, I get that. But um, you know, I don't want to give him more credit than he is due. Um, you know, his, his best tactic is distractionism. So uh, what I'm trying to do is bring us back to see things clearly. So let's not give him um, more, more power than he actually, actually really has. Um, but could it be here, from what we've read in this passage and, and, and Paul's other letters, that the two things we see in Paul and how he prayed are completely missing from prayer in our lives, being consistency and joy. Maybe the fact we feel so poorly about prayer, maybe the fact that we don't attend prayer meetings, maybe the fact that few of us actually pray um, daily or have a healthy prayer life, maybe it's because the two things that we see in the Apostle Paul with his prayer life are missing from our prayer life. Maybe there's not a consistency and maybe there's not a sense of joy in our prayer lives that cause us to not really have a prayer life at all. So what might happen? If we chose to make our prayer lives more consistent and more joyful, what might happen? See, problems arise in our discipleship, in our following of Jesus, in our Christian maturity. The, the, the wider the gap between our theology on something and the reality of that in our life, the wider that gap, the more problems we see. So we, we might believe that prayer is vital for the Christian and that we should be praying every day and seeking God and, and, and being in His presence. But then if the reality over this side is that we never or rarely pray with God, then there exists a large chasm or a large gap between our theology on an issue and the reality of it in our life. And then we start to see problems arise in our faith, in our following of Jesus, because what we believe and what we do don't line up as they should. But the smaller the gap between what we believe and what we actually do, then the less problems we have because we find ourselves in the, the slipstream, or dare I say, the will of God for our life, which is to be obedient to God. And so the wider the gap, I would argue, the, the bigger the disobedience, we're not walking in the will of God as we ought to, but the smaller the gap where we actually put into practice what we believe to be true from the Scriptures, then the more we are walking in obedience in the will of God and the more we will find God's favour pour out on our lives as we follow Him and align our lifestyle with our beliefs. So maybe if we want to shrink the gap between our theology on prayer and the reality of prayer in our life, we need to exercise some personal disciplines and, and, and reach out one way with consistency and reach out the other way with joy and bring those two things together in our prayer life. So we're praying more consistently and we're praying more joyfully and therefore we will see the gap between what we believe and what we do uh, get smaller and smaller and maybe we'll start to enjoy uh, our prayer life. Maybe we'll start to see God move more in our life. Maybe we'll start to feel like we are on mission for God because through consistency and through joy we become the kind of praying person God calls us to be. Maybe our experience of prayer will change then.
Maybe our sense of connectedness to God will change. Maybe the prayer meetings in the church will become the engine room of our congregation and be the most attended thing we do, not the least. What we see here in the life of Paul is that a joyful community is a prayerful community. Week one, a joyful community unites around the power of the gospel. Week two, a joy, today, a joyful community is a prayerful community. And I want to remind us all today um, about a really helpful tool that, that I found super beneficial in my life and uh, I've introduced it to a bunch of people that also find it really helpful. Is this app called PrayMinder, P-R-A-Y, Pray. Minder, M-I-N-D-E-R. It's this app that is free to download from the App Store. And and what it does is just helps us stay on track with consistency in our prayer lives. And so what you can do is you can put reminders throughout the day and you put prayer requests in and go, okay, I want to pray for my cat's rash. And so you put that in there. And so you've got a notification that pops up that says cat. And then you'll click on that. And then you've got notes that you've written in there. Uh, Mittens has a rash, praying that God would heal it in Jesus' name. And so then uh, you might have a reminder that comes up, um, you know, multiple times in the day, pray for mittens. And then what happens is, is one day mittens, you're patting her, you're having a good time and you realize, oh my goodness, God is faithful. Mittens rash is gone. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. You go back to the PrayMinder app and you go into mittens prayer request and you click uh, that it's been answered and it gets logged in the archive file. It's amazing. And so then no longer the reminder comes up each day because God's answered that prayer. And so then what happens is is you can do that with all different sorts of prayer things you have, people you're praying for, situations. Uh, And then what what I find super helpful is, is, you know, life is life, right? Not Life is not always happy and roses, but sometimes we have flat days. Sometimes we we question God. Sometimes we doubt faith. Sometimes we we just find ourselves in, in a dark spot or a flat spot in our faith and in our life. And so what is super helpful is we can go back to this app And then click on the archive folders and we can read one after the other, time after time, where God has come through, where God has answered prayer, where God had moved in a way that we might have thought impossible, but we now have uh, data that that is real-life data from our own prayer lives of where God has moved. That Wow, I remember that time when Mittens had that rash. Oh my goodness, I thought thought he'd never come through, but, but God is faithful and God will even heal cats. And so I remember when God healed that and that. And so when we read through all of those answered prayer requests over the years or months or whatever, that will give us an injection and a boost of faith into our spirit to, to spur us on and keep us going. So I, I find this, this app super helpful uh, just to sort of keep me consistently and constantly in prayer. And prayers don't have to be uh, you know, long and lengthy prayers. They can be short and concise prayers. You look at the Lord's Prayer, you know, the prayer that Jesus gives us to pray. I think it's like 68 words. It's not a long prayer. So God's not after. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, hey, don't pray long prayers like the hypocrites do. Keep it short and sweet and to the point. And so this prayer app is exactly like that. So it pops up. Thank you, Jesus. You will heal, heal Mitten's rash in, in your name. Amen. Short prayers, but it's about consistency. It's about constancy. It's about bringing ourselves before God and using Paul as that example, this mighty man of God, an apostle of God, who time and time again says, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so what do we see in Paul? We see a guy whose prayer life is constant and we see a guy whose prayer life is marked with joy. 
So I would encourage you to download this app, use this app as a helpful tool. And when it comes time to pray, uh, remind yourself to do it with joy. That it, it, is, it is a delight to pray, not necessarily a duty. It shouldn't be a chore that we have to endure, but it should be this beautiful opportunity for us to engage with God and to spark our faith, to believe. And the reason we have joy is because we use the eyes of our faith to see God doing the miraculous on the other side of our prayer, on the other side of our faith. And when we see the miracle afar off, that should spark joy inside of our heart to continue to hold firm to the faith that God will do what only God can do. Let me pray for us this morning. God, I thank you for uh, your word. I thank you for this book of Philippians. I thank you for this uh, idea of a joyful community. And Lord, I thank you that we can see here that a joyful community really is a prayerful community, Lord. So would you help us all in our prayer lives, Lord? Would you help us to, um, to, to fan into flame this sense of significance around prayer? Let it not be this, this solemn religious task we have to endure, Lord, but let it be a beautiful opportunity for us just to connect with you multiple times in a day, in a week, and let us do it with joy, Lord God. And Lord, I pray that you would move powerfully through our prayer lives. As we shrink the gap, Lord, between what we believe about prayer and the reality of prayer in our life, Lord God, that we would see profound things happen as we walk in true obedience and faithfulness to you. Lord, let the prayer meetings in this church not be the least attended, Lord, but let us see a fire inside of our hearts that prayer meetings would be, be uh, put in such a level of importance and significance that people would be busting the necks to be here, Lord God. Lord, would you bless us today. Bless every family, every household, every person. Lord, we pray that you would just pour out your spirit um, profoundly on each and every one of us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.